0: There's no, um, Are you recording? yeah, I'm recording now. We'll just naturally get into it. She said that there's no, like no people that announce the bingo shit anymore. <laughs> it's just machines. Like you play bingo on a machine. Yeah, it's
1: weird. Everything's yeah. computerized nowadays.
0: That's so weird to me. It is very strange. That like takes away the whole experience of bingo, dude. Yeah. Talk for me a
1: little bit. Everything at the casinos now. I mean, that's why I play craps.
0: Do you play craps?
1: I do play craps. Oh. I love
0: you're, craps. You're, 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 you're a gambler, huh? I
1: like throwing the dice. Oh,
0: dude, I hate gambling.
1: But you got to go in with your number. Yeah. And if you go down, then you're done.
0: Wait, okay. Which one is craps?
1: So craps is where you throw the dice on the table. Yeah. It's like always the rowdiest table. Is that the one where everyone's emo? like, seven, seven? Yeah. Okay. Yep.
0: See, I'm so not a gambler. I don't even know what the games are called. Like, I know blackjack. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference between blackjack and... Texas hold them poker or any of that shit is
1: blackjack's just going to 21 so basically hoping that the deck's not stacked against you yeah poker's actually you know playing two cards in your hand five cards on the deck so huh waiting as they come out and your hand can get better and better yeah as the cards come out
0: do you play cards too
1: yeah I like playing poker
0: okay cool what um what got you into into gambling
1: uh i won't say i'm like a degenerate gambler but but you like to gamble i enjoy it it's fun competition
0: are you fucking kidding me i just turn it i just threw it it's <laughs> my mommy light interruption of the podcast my bad guys turn that shit off how do you turn it off Do you know how to Taylor will figure it out.
1: It's the competitive nature.
0: You like you like to gamble for competition?
1: It's not necessarily gambling if you know what you're doing. I mean, if it's okay. calculated, I mean, if you're just showing up and playing and hoping to get lucky, it's definitely gambling. But if you're actually putting some effort into it and, you know, know your odds and stuff, you can play it the smart way.
0: So you don't, like, count cards or anything? No. No?
1: Definitely not counting cards. Okay. But... I mean, there's probability to it.
0: Yeah. So do you have an actual strat when you go in?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I play play the line, and then, uh, well, if I'm playing craps, typically I'm playing the line always. And, what is that? And so the line's, like, you have to play the line always when you're playing craps, and then there's a whole bunch of different games. Like, you can play the field on or off, and it's basically just different number rolls that you can hit, so... Uh, The field has the different numbers that you can roll. The line has different numbers that you can roll, and you get paid out different ways, different odds, depending on what's rolled out.
0: Got it. Okay. Who taught you about all this stuff?
1: My buddy, Zach, taught me how to play craps. Your buddy, Zach? Is he a degenerate gambler? He's a degenerate gambler. Yeah. (laughs) He's good. He he has his strategy, too. Uh, But, you know, the first time I played craps, we went in. And I invested like three hundred bucks. We were going in, and it was like three hundred bucks. I'm gonna learn how to play this, and they, yeah. they they'll teach you the game there. whoever's at the table. Okay. So I mean, the casinos are actually super helpful because they want to get you in and get you playing so you know what you're doing. Right. Because you spend you're more money. More likely to come back and spend more money. Yeah. Right. I feel like you have a better chance of winning. So. Okay. They're smart.
0: Uh, so how old were you when you like started actually gambling? Uh, you got to be 21, but is that like when you?
1: No, I mean I I've been playing like blackjack or not blackjack texas probably for i don't know probably since i was like 13 just like with the family really like when we're up at deer camp or whatever we'll play texas but i mean obviously going to the casinos like i really never got into it at the casinos and then probably a year or two ago found the craps table and learned how to play it i think probably new year's a year or two ago okay yeah
0: so is this before you found taylor was no. this is your first love no gambling
1: it, it was not no. <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say i love gambling i enjoy yeah. gambling okay got it's it something fun to do yeah, not yeah like i'm gonna go to the casino every weekend or not like i'm betting on all the football games and all that stuff but
0: dude that that i actually don't get when yeah. people are betting on like uh fucking games and stuff I mean, or sports can, teams you can bet on everything <clears throat> right like people who bet on horses yeah, I don't get That's that. so strange to me. No. What is that called? The Kentucky Derby, right? Yeah. Do you watch that? No. No? I went to a party this year for the Kentucky Derby, and seeing how fired up people get to watch horses run for 30 seconds is wild
1: the amount of money that goes into it is insane
0: i know dude i genuinely think it's some sort of like money laundering
1: thing i think it is so <laughs> you do too yeah because it it's like surprise me
0: dude you see billionaires there millionaires and all over horses
1: yeah it doesn't make sense it, and how do you know what horse is actually like exactly because a horse could be like the winner and then the next week and they always say it's shot at the next race because it all goes into that one race and then right horse that wins that race will get like six the next race it makes no sense to me
0: <laughs> it's just a game of chance again yeah, I, I think so that's funny
1: i think people just bet on the names that they like <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's actually what we did
0: we were like the whatever name was the funniest you just yep. chose and you went with that for 20 bucks or whatever yep. to me 20 dollars is 20 dollars, man yep. i'm not gonna throw 20 dollars away for no reason i agree so anyway welcome back to another podcast counterculture this is elijah funny that's story right. He is my cousin's fiance. So we're going to grill him today about what his intentions with my cousin are. Elijah, what do you intend on doing with my cousin? I
1: intend to marry your cousin and give her the best life that I can offer her. Treat her like a lady, huh? Exactly. That's good. Traditional, very traditional. Really? Yep. Okay.
0: What what does that mean to
1: you? Uh, I believe in the traditional role in a marriage. So it's my duty to provide for her. And to give her everything and if she wants to work great but I don't want her to have to work so okay. I feel like it's my duty and obligation to provide the best life for her she doesn't have to worry about the bills at all and if she wants to go work because she enjoys working that's up to her then yeah. the day. but I want her to be able to pursue her passions you know when we start a family I want her to be present take care of the kids I don't want them being raised by the education system I'd like her to be very involved with them.
0: How does she feel about that? Speak for her, please. I
1: think that she is very, very much so in line with it. We've talked about it a lot of times. So <laughs> yeah. very open about it from the start that that was my you know goal is to be able to retire her as quick as I can. Yeah. And then just let her enjoy.
0: So you've always felt this way? Is this how, yeah. like, have you always been a traditional man?
1: Yeah. Very much so. I think that's something that's really missing in society. We're seeing it kind of more and more. You know, Society's getting weird right now. Really? A little bit. Okay. Things a little off.
0: Yeah. What do you think is off?
1: Uh, I don't know. I just don't think there's enough structure or traditionalism anymore. Everything people say and do goes, and it's about feelings instead of facts.
0: I just had this talk with um, my last guest. Steve, Steve Meyer. He's like my spiritual mentor. He's been trying to convert me to Christianity for years now. Um, And I actually think that I did that this past week. I think that I made myself a Christian while talking to my friend. It's awesome. Very strange. Weird experience. The hairs on my, on my arms stood up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We were talking about the idea of people being more interested in their truth than the actual truth. Mm -hmm. And the reason for it is, is being, it's just way more convenient to have your truth than the actual truth, because that way you get to be self-serving more so and not serve other people.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. But at the end of the day, society does not continue on and get better if we're going off of feelings versus facts, because at the end of the day, I love to say it is what it is and the truth does not lie love ain't lies
0: yeah that's true so did you grow up in a super traditional family is this how like you yeah, were raised
1: yeah very traditional family traditional roles uh you know my grandparents been married for going on i think what 60 years over 60 years 60 and it's as traditional as it gets my grandmother has always you know taken care of the homestead my grandpa's always taking care of the business and whatnot, and grandma raised all the kids, and everyone turned out pretty good.
0: And then your, your dad continued the same way?
1: Yep, my dad continued the same way. I have five brothers, and I think we've all turned out pretty good. Two oldest brothers are doctors. Wow. Uh, my brother right below me was my business partner for a period, and he's into business. Brother below him is an electrician. And the youngest one is in his junior year of high school still. So
0: Very cool. Wow. So what did grandpa do?
1: Uh, so my grandpa worked for ITT. He was the vice president of, I believe, the West Coast of ITT, uh, so financial firm. Mm-hmm. And he did that and retired when he was in his 50s. And then after a little bit, he uh, decided to get in the mortgage industry with my father
0: the mortgage industry?
1: Yep. Okay. So they opened, uh, three different mortgage companies had just under 300 employees and then, uh, 2008 happened. So they had a good 20 year run in the mortgage industry. 2008 happened and they went from about 300 employees down to about 14 over the next four years. Wow. Uh, when the world was falling apart.
0: So then where does your dad make the transition from the mortgage stuff into what he does now?
1: Yeah, so uh, in 2014, uh, when they were closing down the mortgage offices, they rolled everything into Waterstone Mortgage, uh, and they had all this office furniture in the office that they owned, and nobody likes to lease spaces with them fully furnished. Mm. So he had my brother and I start posting ads on Craigslist, and he started selling off the office furniture, and about a year later, Office Furniture Warehouse was born.
0: Wow, okay. So this started because he had furniture from his last business. Yep. So how did he like, how did he, I guess, come up with the idea of just continuing to do that after putting it up for sale?
1: Uh, so he started to turn some serious profit and you know, didn't know what he wanted to do next in life. So he just kind of ran with it cause it was working. He had consistent cash flow coming in from all the furniture. And then, uh, a friend of mine's father was in the used furniture liquidation space, mm. relocation space. So that's what I was just going to ask. Yep. yep. And, uh, you know, they got to talking at a football game and he didn't really do a lot of resale on the furniture. So we started taking that inventory that he was liquidating from some of these companies and we were reselling it on the uh, resale side of the business.
0: So did your dad go to college?
1: He did. Yep. He went to Milwaukee for business.
0: For Did he get a degree?
1: Uh, I believe he did get a business degree.
0: Okay. And so... Out of all your brothers how many of you guys got degrees?
1: Uh, So my two oldest brothers got degrees I ended up dropping out and then my two younger brothers uh, the one right below me He didn't go to college. He went the business route Uh, And then the one below him went to trade school.
0: Okay, cool Why did you why did you go to college in the first place?
1: I went to college because my parents wanted me to so even
0: after being in business
1: uh, yeah, so I hadn't started my company at this point yet. I well, I mean, even support. after your dad had the experience yeah. of being in business. Yep. Wow, okay. So they uh, really believed in the education system. They put us through private school. Uh, I took a non-traditional route, I convinced my parents after my first semester of freshman year of high school to let me leave high school and go live down in Georgia and uh, race motocross year-round.
0: What? Really?
1: Yep. So I didn't know that, yeah, so I toured uh you know the u s racing racing the amateur national circuit for motocross, lived at three different training facilities in Georgia over the next three years, and uh yeah,
0: just, did you do homeschool?
1: Yeah. yeah, so I did online school, so I schooled myself,
0: really. Yep. So
1: before online school got big with the pandemic, (laughs) I was years ahead of that. Wait, but
0: I can't, I couldn't even imagine doing that because I was such a bad student in high school. I I got to be a good student in college, actually a really good student, but in high school, so you were actually dedicated to doing this school or did you kind of like fuck it off?
1: So the whole thing about school is there's so much wasted time in the classroom.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: With all the, you know, other students being there, you're, everyone has to learn at the same pace. So someone like you could, you know, take 10 minutes to get something where another person in the classroom couldn't get it for three days while you're in that chapter. And you are put at the pace of that other person.
0: Right. Because I'm a genius. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, And then you got all the other things, you know, you got your gym class and you got recess and, you know, lunch breaks and all these other breaks throughout the day. And it just spreads it out over eight hours. And it's Almost like it's more of a uh, daycare than it is a school. I mean, if Mm -hmm. if someone's able to learn at a much faster pace, why slow them down? Just, in my opinion, let them go. So my schooling took me probably on average about three hours a week, if even. Wow. I still graduated with, you know, great grades.
0: Did you have to, is there standardized testing that you have to go do?
1: So it was a a program called K-12, so normal curriculum, uh, that you learn in a traditional, uh, school system. Mm -hmm. It's a registered public school system. It was just all on the computer, except they give you all the textbooks and the lessons and plans, and you can go at it as quick as you want to.
0: Wow. That's nuts. So what, what like drove you to want to go race motocross? And on top of that, how did you actually convince your parents to let you do that?
1: So I started racing motocross when I was about 11 years old, And I was very dedicated to it. I get very obsessive about things that I'm passionate about. Makes sense. I saw that all the top kids were, you know, at these training facilities that were trying to go pro and uh, I got really serious and dedicated about my training. Mm -hmm. I was running three to six miles a day and then cycling about 40 miles on average a day on top of it, doing workouts on top of all the cardio. And just committed to getting the best physical shape that I could be in so I was aggressive as I could be on the track and just got real dedicated with it so uh, after you know probably six months of my parents seeing that and you know my head just was not at being at school it was on racing Mm -hmm. I took a business plan to my parents and proposed it to them and you know pitched my gave my elevator pitch on why it's a smart decision to let me do this and go down this non-traditional path and they bought into it
0: give it to us
1: I don't know if I have a memorized still but uh, you got something yeah so basically it was going about it you know it's a very expensive sport to be in uh, so there's no point on showing up if you're not fully dedicated to it because if you're not fully dedicated the odds of you going pro are very very low so uh, the more time that I could invest in doing that and going down that career path uh, the better of an investment it was for them to let me you know, race and not just show up on the weekends as a weekend warrior, but to actually go at it like it's true profession. So
0: what was like a normal day like in those training camps?
1: Yeah. So wake up typically about 7am, go work out for hour to hour and a half.
0: Do they have a program for you to follow?
1: Yep. Yeah. Each of the tracks had a professional, uh, personal trainer there. Some of them had two or three of them there. So it was very, very scheduled that way. Eat breakfast and then you'd run your different motos throughout the days or certain days would be just certain drill training. So like corner technique and all that kind of stuff. So they have actual pros at the tracks that, uh, have made a career out of racing and whatnot. And they're, they're teaching every single different technique and typically riding, uh, for about a four to five hour period throughout the day. You're not riding that whole time, but that's like your dedicated drill time. And then in the afternoon again, typically, uh, working out again or, doing bike work, and then getting your schoolwork done.
0: That's crazy, dude. That's like a full-time job. Yeah, it, and it really was. At how old were you again?
1: I was 14 to 18 when I was living down there.
0: What do you think is like... So obviously, you were a super dedicated kid. Yep. Like like you said, to something that you're passionate about. Why do you think you were like that? Did somebody in your family family like
1: mm-hmm.
0: drip that onto you or...?
1: Well, I always saw the work ethic that my dad and my grandpa had. They instilled a really, really good work ethic in us when we were young. I mean, we had a landscape company as early as I can remember that my dad would have me and all my brothers do the landscaping at the offices for a couple of their different friends. Uh, And, you know, they just made sure that we were always working and learned that work ethic. Nothing was free. It was always, you know, if you want to go buy something. You got to put more hours in and do more chores or, you know, go work at your landscape company and get the lawns mowed and yeah. you can talk to our buddies if any of them want a landscape service or lawn care company to help them out. So
0: were your parents like hard on you kids?
1: Yeah, we were definitely very disciplined.
0: Okay. So, How so? Would you get like uh, reprimanded if you didn't go yeah. out and cut the lawns?
1: Yep, definitely. I mean, it was just not an option to stay inside and play video games and all that kind of stuff. It was go outside and play or, you know, you're helping me out this weekend with this project to that project. So they just always kept us really, really involved with everything. And it wasn't like, you know, you're too young to do this. It was always try it out and do it to your best of your ability.
0: Yeah, I feel like nowadays um, people kind of look at me and heather as psychos because we're like we don't just let our kids sit and watch tv mm-hmm. like obviously they get their tv time but we're like we make them do shit. you know like our kids have to clean up their fucking mess we don't we're not going to clean up after you and izzy's three years old Caden's five mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but we tell them you got to clean up your stuff if you're gonna bring it out you clean it up we're not gonna do it for you they uh they have to play outside like i literally Mm -hmm. force them to be outside for x amount of time during the day and then you know when they get their quiet time or whatever that's when they get tv yep i think that's like a lost art though so many parents don't do that anymore i
1: mean think about the imagination that they have i mean i remember being you know that same age and again being forced to play outside and stuff and it gets your imagination going and You become creative that way and you see the world in a different way versus living vicariously through these TV shows and stuff. Yeah. Makes no sense to me right now. There's kids that sit there and watch other people play video games. (laughs) Yeah, it's as bad as it is that kids will sit in front of a TV all day and play video games instead of actually doing real world stuff outside. But now they're not even playing. They're just watching another person play a video game.
0: Right. And it'd be better to be the kid playing the video game because you would be the kid that other kids are watching while yeah. making money doing that yep. later on. That's interesting too, though, that you say the imagination thing, mm-hmm. right? Because you talked about briefly the education system yep. um, is my opinion that the education system is that way, the way that it is to kind of eliminate some of the creativity from children.
1: hundred percent agree. Uh, When you are just following everything out of a textbook, you know, not figuring things out real world, Mm -hmm. it just, it limits you. And that's one of my favorite takeaways from being able to go down the non-traditional path that I did was I was able to learn real world experience. I mean, I was meeting people all over the country. I was negotiating deals with different uh, sponsors over the years. Writing and sending in resumes to them, you know, starting at 13 years old on why they should sponsor me and why I'm going to be a great athlete to endorse their product and whatnot. And yeah, this is the return that you'll have on it in exchange for this. Things like that.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Because when I was a kid, it was skateboarding mm-hmm. and I would do the same thing. We'd like film ourselves, make tapes, and then we'd send it right. off to companies and be like, this is why you should sponsor us.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah think but about um,
1: all the people that you met at the skate park, probably. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, tons. I mean, more more so in when I would got into music, but yeah, definitely at the skate park, but you were learning what I think is the most important skill anybody can have. And it's a Mm -hmm. skill and that's networking. Definitely. Networking to me has been like when I've learned how to properly network Mm -hmm. and learned what, what that actually meant and not that it was some like douchey business term. um, I feel like everything in my life changed. 100%.
1: Your network is your net worth, as they say nowadays. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you are around the wrong people, whether it's in business or just, you know, leisure life, whatever it is, the people you surround yourself with are either going to pull you up or they're going to pull you back. Yep. So if you got a bunch of friends that are into fitness and business and things, I can guarantee that you will make more money, that you'll get in better shape if you surround yourself with people who want to do nothing but drink and party and whatnot, they're going to stay in the same spot. And a lot of times you'll hear, you know, the world's against them. Not saying that you can't do yeah. a great combination of both, right? but you know, the people that you're with are going to, you know, really, really affect how you end up being.
0: Yeah. Let's circle back a little bit. Did you, cause I would definitely want to talk about that. I have my views on drinking and being with certain people and all that, but, um, did you ever make it pro?
1: Uh, so i raced semi-pro so i raced the a class for three years which if you look at the definition of professional once you start getting paid to do anything Mm -hmm. you are technically professional by the definition so you got paid yeah so i was getting paid to race uh and they had a pro purse at the local races so i didn't hold a pro license to race the national pro races Uh, But I was getting paid to race the local pro class.
0: What kind of racing were you doing? Were you doing like the Were you doing all the jumps and stuff? I know nothing about motocross.
1: motocross, It's typically a one to two mile long dirt track. Okay. uh, With all your jumps and stuff throughout the natural terrain of the track. So typical uh, race format when you're racing the amateur stuff is four to six lap motos Mm -hmm. uh, up until A class, and then A class is typically a 20 minute plus two race format.
0: Dude, that's got to be really intense on the body.
1: Definitely. Uh, motocross is, depending on you know where you're getting your stats from, one of the hardest uh, sports on the human body, you're running your max heart rate for just about that whole 20 to 30 minute time frame. Really? So, I mean, my heart rate would average anywhere between 180 to 190 beats per minute for 20 to 30 minutes straight.
0: What was, what's like the, the hardest part physically?
1: Uh... So it's it's not just holding on to a bike. I mean, these tracks are gnarly. I mean, you got yeah. three, four foot stutter bumps everywhere and you're pushing yourself the whole time. Uh so just everything about it, it it takes a lot out of you holding on to a motorcycle that has thirty to forty horsepower, you know, going around that track as fast yeah. as you can, having the right body positioning. I mean, the bike's your body's part of the shock absorption and the suspension and you know, Suspension's great, but when you're hitting all the bumps and everything yeah. just for that long, it it beats up on you, and then all the injuries that come with it too. Yeah, I mean, for sure, all the crashes. Yep. Yeah.
0: What is the worst injury you've had?
1: Uh, I had full facial reconstruction, so uh, about a month or two after my parents let me leave high school, we were at the uh, spring nationals down in Texas, and <laughs> my brakes went out. Back brakes went out the first lap, and don't know what happened, but. Brakes went out. There was a super high speed straightaway with a probably 120 foot tabletop at the end of it. And what they think happened is I just had too much speed, and somehow the handlebar came into my face and tore the whole left side of my face up. So, oh my god, that dude, full no facial way. reconstruction, over 300 stitches down to my skull, uh, fracture up in my uh, top of my face here, and lost my tear duct. So,
0: so your parents were probably like you're going back to high school dude uh, what the fuck did we just let him yeah. do
1: so they had to actually fly down i was with a buddy who was doing the same thing and his dad ended up going to the hospital with me but yeah they flew down got probably one of the worst calls of their life and you know it was there wasn't any like you know we're going back to school or anything like that it was just what do we need to do to get better uh, okay cool so yeah i had a brain hemorrhage as well so my brain was bleeding, uh, and. It you know down in the hospital for three or four days i woke up like the second day i was there and it's like what, what's going on here i didn't know where I you was were out at. yeah i was out so didn't remember really that whole week leading up to it and from there it was just like you know finally got my dream of dropping out of school to go racing and start racing the national circuit and you know how do i get better because the doctor said you're never going to ride again with that injury Wow. And I was like, well, I'm going to ride again. And it was actually kind of surprising. My mom backed me, you know, 100%. I, I would have thought she would have said, no, we're done with this. We're selling everything. But she saw my passion for it, and she always stood behind me when I was having the down days and kept me on the, the straight path.
0: That's crazy, dude. One second. We got to restart this real quick. I'm going to put a timer on so we don't have to do that again. What, so what does that do to a kid that's 14 years old, right? You said that there was no one like, oh shit, we're going back to school. It was more so like, what do we do to get better and to not make this happen again? Is there any fear in you? Was it any, was there any hesitancy? How do you think that like built your character? Because obviously at yeah. 14 years old, that's got to do something, right?
1: Well, I got pretty lucky. I don't remember any of it. So it'd probably be <laughs> a little different if I remembered it. Uh, but yeah. I didn't remember any of the crash didn't know what happened at all. So to me, it was just, what do I need to do to get back to racing as quick as I can? So within a week, it was back to training and back to running and on the road bike and everything. And then one week going through all the yeah doctor appointments and whatnot I had to do a lot of testing with my brain bleed and whatnot to make sure that that was healing properly. Mm-hmm. And you know, the swelling was going down to my face. My eye was swollen shut for probably a week and a half, two weeks, to the point where I couldn't even see out of it. Wow. Uh, so it was just doing what I could to get my body back in condition and let it heal.
0: What do the doctors say when you're like back at it and you're on the bike again?
1: Uh, well, I had some great doctors, uh, but I didn't really see them after I got cleared to go racing again. So I would have been like, yep. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking in my head. I was like, you can't tell me what I'm going to do or what I'm not going to do. I'm not, I'm never going to be limited by what someone else says because, we live in a world where people will try to limit you based on what the normal is for them. And it's like, why are you putting those limiting beliefs on me?
0: That's great that you had that mindset even at 14, dude. That's something that I, I always had, I was always a big dreamer Mm -hmm. since I was young, but I didn't come to the realization about, about this, about myself until actually recently, probably like two months ago, three months ago i read a book called outwitting the devil by napoleon hill have you read it Phenomenal book you read it it's great um so i read that book and i realized one of the reasons like because i've always been the ask my cousins ask my family right i've been the kind of like the black sheep of the family i just like don't give a fuck about anything but i realized after reading this book I actually did give a fuck. And the thing that I cared about was the opinions of other people. Not so much their opinion about what I was doing, but what their opinion would be if I failed at something. If I did something and then I failed it, right? And then so I come to this realization, I'm like, wait, what the fuck am I scared about failing for? Like, who cares? If I'm the one who said, let's just say I opened this gym Mm -hmm. and I gave it my all. I gave it my go. I started this podcast. I tried it, whatever it was. I tried it. I'm the only one that can say I tried it. Exactly. Out of anybody that I know.
1: And better to try it and fail than never try it and never know.
0: Because, you, yeah, you always have that question mark, right? Yep. <clears throat> so after you're done with, well, not done with motocross. I'm not going to say you're done because I have no idea. Yep. But um, when it starts to come time to go to school, like to go to yep. college and shit, what's that transition like
1: yeah so i ended up going back to school for my senior year of high school uh i ended up having another injury or two that you know i wasn't gonna be able to be down in georgia so parents want me to go back and i agreed to because they let me try so god you can't just take 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 you know they gave and it was my turn to give back to them and do what they wanted to do so went back to school for my senior year kept racing uh once i healed up again And, uh, then college talk came up and they wanted me to go to college. I didn't want to go to college at all. I've always learned through real world experience and I had a terribly hard time going back into school after being out for three years. Uh, so finally agreed that I would go give it a whirl and, uh, got into whitewater here in Wisconsin and was going to go into the business school. So a uh, week before I actually went to Whitewater to start my first semester there, I had my final race. Uh, it was down at Lake County in Illinois. Big pro purse for a fair race. How so, much was it? Uh, it $20,000 pro purse.
0: Damn. So, okay.
1: Yeah, the fair races always have some of the biggest pro purses. Uh, and ended up tearing my ACL, MCL, and meniscus. And it was just getting to a point where that level of racing, everyone's going so fast, the bikes are getting faster and faster, but everyone starts to get a little aggressive on the track where you're hitting each other harder and faster. And it just got to the point where it was like, for the money that was to be made, it just wasn't worth it. Right. Because, you know, even if you win that pro purse, you know, if you don't win the pro purse, you're spending all the money to get back to the track the next week and to try to try to win. So yeah. Just not a lot of money in it. Where's the money
0: made in the sponsorships in
1: the sponsorships. Okay. And there's probably 40 guys in the world, uh, that race it every single weekend at that top, top level. And then maybe 20 of them are actually doing well for themselves.
0: Got it. Okay. What's the hardest part about going back to school when you have to go to college?
1: The structure. I did not like being controlled as far as, you know, how I was going to be spending my time, just Mm -hmm. a lot of time sitting in the classroom daydreaming of what else I could be doing. And, you know, just bored.
0: What did you want to be doing?
1: I wanted to be back training and, you know, racing and having fun.
0: Yeah. Did you get wrapped up in the partying in college? Definitely. Was it an effect of feeling like you weren't pursuing something greater?
1: Yeah, it was just out of boredom. I mean, there's yeah. nothing else to do. i went to a business school and we weren't even learning anything business it was all gen eds and random stuff that first year that they have you doing it's like well we're paying a lot of money to be here and i'm not even learning anything that i'm supposed to be majoring in so right might as well party and have a good time and hang out with people and make the most of it but yeah at the same time after a year of just partying every single day and whatnot it was like i'm bored like there's more to life than this
0: college is such a scam dude agreed i think that the parting is their marketing
1: 100 percent. so find yourself four years to find yourself
0: right 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 they market you to go to college by showing you all the partying. that's all you ever see with mm-hmm. like college you know um all the like shit on instagram the parties yep. and stuff so you're like oh my god i want to go to college too bad this is going to cost me sixty thousand dollars great Good thing it's gonna cost me sixty thousand dollars a year or whatever it is, right? Um and then you come out and you can't even get a job to like pay off your loan. And
1: how many people come out with a degree and get a job with nothing to do with that degree at all? So Right. I mean, there's people like my older brothers that you know, they're doctors, you have to go to school. That's probably one of the few things I believe in the education system for is that your doctor probably don't want a doctor working on you that hasn't been through medical school. But at the same time, how much better would that time be spent instead of having, you know, the four years and then another four years of medical school if they just spent that full eight years practicing and being in a hospital in the first place through an apprenticeship?
0: Yeah, that's interesting because I've talked to a lot of like, well, so my girlfriend's a PA Mm -hmm. and I've had a friend, like I have a friend who's a orthopedic surgeon, um, spinal surgeon. And I've talked to plenty of other doctors, too. And they all say, not Heather, but all the other people I've talked to say that most of their learning does happen when they have to go to the um, do their like their rounds or whatever their yeah. clinicals. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think that a lot of the the little shit does need to be learned. And I also agree with you that the STEM field is probably the stuff that you should go to school for. Yeah. All the other stuff, though, like fucking like HR and. Business, like you should be in the field learning. You go to this school stuff. for business. I didn't go to school for business. I barely went to school. Do
1: you think you're going to learn more out of a textbook or actually doing it real world? Because
0: I've learned so much more real world. Like I, I've had conversations with people that have like masters in business, and I'm baffled mm-hmm. by how little they know about not not just how little they know about business, because I'm not a super business dude anyway. But I'm baffled by the inability to create relationships, Mm -hmm. to know how to network, to know how business actually happens now, to know that social media is like the thing that you should be really hammering. There's so many flaws in what the business schools are teaching people Mm -hmm. that it's like, I'm like, you're fucking paying how much for this?
1: Yeah. And I mean, you probably have fires come up every single day in your business that you have to put out. And you'll never learn that in a textbook because no. you just got to roll with the punches, and yep. you learn it, and now you know how to handle it the next time. It's just not scenarios that can always come up.
0: It's um, yeah. So business, I'd say, is like it's a day to day thing, definitely, right? Like you're learning. You can't you can't like ingest the information and take it. Like you have to experience it in order to know. I'm gonna just drop some heat real quick, some drama. We had an incident let's say happened this year with an old business partner and he left and the brother told me that just some stuff, some drama and this stuff. But in the conversation um, he decided it was a good idea to give me his opinion on things. He's an engineer. And I said to him, I'm like, have you run your own business? And he goes, no. And not that that's a, that's um a prerequisite to know everything because it's definitely not. But I asked him if he's ever run his own business. No, I'm an engineer. Okay, so what do you think you know about business? Well, I handle some of the business stuff at... No, 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 no. I'm asking you specifically, what do you know about the gym business, yep. the fitness business? He told me that I was gaslighting him. A 31-year-old man, I was gaslighting because I asked him if he knew business while being an engineer. That's kind of weird, huh?
1: Well, it goes back to the you know, the truth is not feelings, it's facts. Right, totally. You, you're entitled to feel the way you do, but it does not make you right. Right. And I think that's something that people need to get over. Everyone has too much pride to be wrong nowadays where mm-hmm. you can't get better if you're not able to be wrong and learn from it. Yeah.
0: You should be asking questions constantly. Always. Always. Like If you think you're the smartest person, in the, I have this talk with Heather so much. If you think you're the smartest person in the room or you think that you're smart, you're probably stupid
1: hundred percent. Like never want to be the smartest person in the room. Or no, you never. Room.
0: No, absolutely I not. You're reaching out Exactly. And even the people below you, right? You should yep. constantly be asking them questions because they're the people who actively see what you're doing every single day. They're the ones who take your leadership. So you should be asking them their opinions. Yep. Yeah.
1: Anyway, it's, it's so easy to get stuck and ingrained in what you're doing every day as well. Mm-hmm. Like I just, this past week I hired on a new director of sales and he has zero experience in the office furniture industry or the design industry and he's seeing things from an outsider perspective that almost it can guarantee you 90 percent of our customers have the same view as him Hmm. so it's helping me see it in a very different way because i've been in the industry for the past 10 years now and it's easy to get stuck like i know all this so just assuming that my other staff or my customers know or think the same way But they don't they think the exact opposite way most likely because they don't have all that time in it so yeah it's great to have him as an outside uh, person coming in and seeing it from a different way and it's gonna help us restructure a lot of things to make it much better customer experience for all of our clients
0: that's awesome yeah hell yeah so let's get let's get to how you actually get into business Um, so you go to school you dropped out after a year
1: Uh, So I went to school for a year and then I got a house uh, for my sophomore year and had full intention of going back. Uh, And we moved into our college house and it was, you know, same thing again. I'd been working for my dad that whole summer. I finally got out of the delivery and install side of furniture Mm -hmm. and into sales and rose to our number one sales guy. Very quick. I was spending a lot of time doing things differently instead of waiting for customers to come in. I was cold calling companies, I was going to networking meetings, uh, really doing everything I could to get out there and try to find business versus waiting for it to come to me and just be an order taker. Uh, So went back to college, super excited about this house. You know, it's going to be a blast. We're going to get back to partying. And we moved in probably three weeks before school started. And after the first night, the floors were all sticky. There was dirty dishes in the sink every single day. And it was the day before sophomore year started. And I called my dad and I said, I can't do this. I'm coming home. Really? So they had been talking about franchising the business model at that point. And I said, you know, I want to be the first franchisee for you guys. I know the business well, and I want to own and operate a business. So I took the rest of the college money and put it into our first franchise.
0: Is that the one in Kenosha?
1: Yep. So that was okay. our Kenosha office. So my brother, Simon, was graduating high school Uh, or had just graduated high school and he didn't want to really get into or technically he'd be going into his uh, spring semester at this point and he did not want to continue the school or education system and uh, he ended up you know partnering with me and we started our first company together down in Kenosha
0: okay so wait what was it about the (laughs) what was it about the sticky floors and the dishes that made you be like fuck this shit dude i'm out
1: i was never allowed to wear shoes in the house growing up okay and i did not like the feeling of having to wear shoes in my house every (laughs) single day and it just being a disaster i cannot stand living in filth
0: how many dudes were in this house
1: it was like six of us
0: six yeah are they still your homies now
1: no i haven't talked to any of them in years okay so my best One of my best buddies, Thomas, had actually dropped out and joined the Coast Guard Mm. uh, that summer, and he was who I dormed with my first year, Okay. and at that point, I was starting to like, you know, I'm not super, super keen on going back to school myself, and then it was just, you know, those three weeks of the nonstop parties again and everything being a disaster, and I was just over it.
0: Do you think kids have to go through that?
1: Uh, I don't think so. No? I mean it was not my full decision to go to school. Mm-hmm. I wanted to actually, I didn't want to go to college. Like I was telling you before, I wanted to get into the personal training side of things mm. and get my uh, license to be a personal trainer. Uh, but my parents were super adamant that I had to give it, give it a go and at least try it out.
0: So do you think that, do you think kids in their or their late teens, early twenties need to go through the party stage?
1: I don't think so. I think it's the biggest waste of time that there is. Uh, I just don't think it's a good use of time at all. I mean, I think it's good for parents to allow their kids to make those decisions and make those mistakes early on, but it's just such a waste of time and money. If I had that time back, I can't imagine how much further I'd be ahead.
0: Yeah. So I tell all of like my kids that go off to college, right? (laughs) I'm like, I'm maybe one of the worst mentors you could have in this sense that I'm like, I tell everybody not to go to college if they can help it, unless they want to be a doctor or an engineer or whatever, or whatever. Yeah. Something, something that's useful in the world. Right. Um, but I'm like, I tell all them too. I'm like, dude, if I was your age again in the, in the age that we're in, there's no shot I'd be going to fucking college no, at all. And I'd just be trying to grind it out on social media. I'd be doing fucking drop shipping. I'd try everything.
1: Such a saturated market right now. I mean, everyone yeah. is pitched that they have to go to college if they want to do anything. And now you're seeing more companies that don't want people that go to college because mm-hmm. they want people who are free thinkers Yeah. versus people who have been taught just to play it by the book.
0: Yep. What was it like opening the first franchise?
1: Uh, so it was really really cool experience actually. So uh, my brother and I found a 3000 square foot space on Highway 50 down in Kenosha and it was like a, a old car dealership and the car dealership across the street from us actually had all of their F150s parked in our front lot. So it nice. looked like people didn't know if we were a car dealership, if we were a furniture store or whatever, but it was low rent for us and we kind of just bootstrapped it. So All of our inventory, we liquidate companies as well. So we went and got all of our first inventory from a liquidation uh, and had very low overhead from that. And we actually lived in the back uh, office on a futon uh, for the first eight months that we had that company. So every single day, wake up, go to the gym, shower at the gym come back, open the store up. And then in the evenings we'd go do all of our delivery and installations until, you know, as early as two o'clock in the morning, the next morning we'd be wrapping up. Wow. And then heading back, going to bed, repeat every day for first eight months. You're 20. Uh, at that point I was 19.
0: 19. Yep. What are the rest of your friends doing at 19? Still partying. Yeah.
1: A couple of my buddies from my other friend group were still racing uh, so either racing or partying at college,
0: what are the kinds of conversations that you're having with those buddies?
1: Uh, I mean, depending on who it was with, if I was with a, a bunch of, uh, guys that were racing still it was always about racing and riding. Uh, if I was with the other guys partying, that's all it was, it was about partying. There was no interest in how the business was going or whatnot. And I quickly kind of grew away from both groups of people because, what I wanted in life at that time was very different. You know, I went all in on the racing or mm-hmm. sorry, not the racing with the business. Uh, and I had to give up the racing. Uh, I had to give up the partying and, you know, just focus all in on this one thing.
0: So did you feel alienated from your yeah. friends?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt alienated. Uh, when they say it's lonely at the top, a lot of times that's because you have to uh, alienate yourself from the outside things that are going on and it's kind of like a self-decision because no one else is going to have as much interest in what you're doing if you are a business owner as you are whether it's yep. your staff whether it's your friends your family whatever it is they might have surface level interest but they're not as bought into it as you are so well they don't
0: care if it actually makes it or not they don't have a yeah. stake in it
1: exactly exactly exactly
0: do you feel any sort of like shade coming from your friends or are they telling you like,
1: man, come on, don't be a pussy. Let's go party. Yeah. I mean, definitely with, with the people that were from that college friend group, definitely. They didn't understand it because they were still in their party stage and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the guys that were racing, were still in the racing stage and it just didn't really come up in conversation much. And it was like, well, you guys have no interest in what I'm doing. So it's kind of making it easier just to focus and go all in on this. But, yeah, it definitely felt lonely at times uh luckily have really really tight family so mm-hmm. just spent a lot more time with my family at time
0: so when i first started this place the gym i remember having so many conversations with people about um like friends right they wanted to go to the bar they wanted to drink there's <laughs> we're like 28 yep. 27 and um they want they want me to like come and party on the weekend or whatever and i'm like guys I fucking own a business dude. Mm -hmm. Like I can't be hung over tomorrow and I can't go out tonight because I have fucking work to do. Like I have shit to do. No, no, no. You can do this. You know, you can do that. It's fine. You'll be all right. It's just one night. And it's like, no, it's not just one night
1: It carries into the next day.
0: It's the next day. And then it's the next day after that. And then it's next week. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens again. It's like the momentum thing that we were talking about before having discipline. Right? Like if you allow yourself to do it once, it's gonna happen again Mm -hmm. and if it happens again it will for sure happen a third time and it's just a domino effect right
1: perpetual cycle that keeps on going
0: yep and then so eventually i like came up with this thing that i would tell myself almost every day is that it's better to be in no company than bad company agreed and it's lonely it sucks but like it kind of doesn't because it shows you who your true friends are
1: yeah definitely and you know everyone has different stages in their life Mm and I will never hate on anyone for being in that stage of their life. Yep. But you learn to love people at a distance. Yeah. So, you know, some of those people I'm back being good friends with, like some of the guys from that racing group, I'm back to being real real close friends with them. Yeah. One of them or two of them are standing up in my wedding uh, next weekend. So, there's just different kind of periods in everyone's life. And you know, sometimes you have to distance yourself and sometimes you can rekindle those relationships. Sometimes they just move on and you know, evaporate, yeah.
0: you meet people where they're at, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it's going to get real uncomfortable for you right here. <laughs> what <laughs> you might want to leave.
1: Fiance is in the corner for yeah. everyone who can't see. Yeah. For anyone who can't <laughs> see.
0: So if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, um what is uh, what's like dating like when you're young opening a business I can imagine you're probably not going out too much
1: yeah so I had a girlfriend at the time uh that was still at school and kind of in that party phase and whatnot and her family was actually from Kenosha so that kind of played a big role in Opening that Kenosha store, they were great. They owned a, uh, they still own a local travel agency there, very cool. large travel agency, and um, they were great to me. Uh, they'd let me come stay a couple nights at their house or whatnot if I needed to get out of the office. <laughs> uh, you know, dinners, whatever. They were super supportive with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, it fell apart. I ended up breaking things off and. You know, that relationship, it just, we weren't at the same point in life anymore. And I was hundred percent focused in on this and it was kind of dragging me back into the college partying stuff. Yeah. Uh, I ended up, you know, partying a little too hard one night and I ended up getting an OWI. Uh, so I was still surrounding myself with those people and, uh, you know, ended up paying the consequences for it. So at that point I drew the line and it was like time to hundred percent cut this off because wow now this is limiting me and like you're saying it affects you the next day and after yep. you just put yourself at risk surrounding yourself with those groups sometimes uh so that was 100% my my decision uh you know but it was time to grow up and move on and so
0: OWI that's crazy dude I feel like everybody has that point in their life though right that kind of wakes them up definitely and makes yeah. them.
1: I mean that was a big wake up call. I after that happened, I mean I was back at work, you know, four hours later. After that? Oh yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. It just it like snapped you right into work mode.
1: Uh yeah. I mean, it was time to get back to to work. I mean no no need to sit in my pity. Yeah. That happened. I knew my mistake. I. You know, I still believe I was good at that point. What Mm -hmm. ended up happening was there was an open bottle in the back of my car. I was a mile away from my house after driving an hour. Someone left an open bottle of liquor in the back of the car. And, you know, they saw that in instant, you know. Yeah. Uh, So just moving on from that, uh, kind of going back to your question, you know, what was dating like? You know, there wasn't a lot of time for it. I was working all day, all night. It wasn't like I was going out to the bar or anything anymore. So it wasn't like I was meeting a lot of people my age. Mm-hmm. Everyone I was talking to, meeting, all that kind of stuff. It was much older group. Uh, I was the young guy just trying to get my feet wet and establish myself. So wasn't really a big focus at that point.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I feel like, ooh, God, we could go, we could go crazy right now about things. I feel like women can either be a really big blessing Mm -hmm. in your life when you're trying to be in business and trying to achieve great things or they can be your worst enemy.
1: 100% agree. So, you know, after I ended that relationship...
0: Also men for women, by the way.
1: Yeah. Uh, So after I ended that relationship, there was a couple, you know, short-term relationships, but kind of like what you're saying, they were not bought in with my goals or my focus or the support. It was, you know, why are you spending so much time working and whatnot? Uh, and then I met Taylor and Taylor was the first girl who 100% backed me, uh, on everything and never questioned when I had to push off a dinner date or, you know, cancel hanging out or whatnot to get more work done. If that was the priority that night, you know, she'd actually come to the office and help me even if it was just being there to hang out with me versus canceling, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she was there and would hang out with me while we had to get stuff built for customers or if I had to send out more bids or whatever the case was, she was always willing to be there and support me.
0: Is that, is that, do you think the most important part of your guys' relationship is that she sees your vision and she follows with it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, definitely essential, uh, because, you know, it was one of the first things I let her know is that the business has to come first for this period in our life while we're building it and getting established. So there's going to be a lot of these times where I can't, you know, be there for this event or that event or I'm going to have to cancel. And she's never had an issue with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think that was one of the biggest things. And one of the biggest things with our relationship, because I am a businessman. It is, you know, it's my game is what I call it. Mm -hmm. And that's where my focus is. So without having someone who fully backs and supports you, uh, and is willing to ride that bumpy road with you, You know, I don't think it would work out.
0: Have there been any hiccups because of business?
1: Yeah, there's definitely hiccups, but more of it comes from when I'm not being present, when I'm not at work. So it's very okay. easy to drag work into the home life. Uh, so one big thing that we've been working on lately is not being on my phone when I'm at home. So it's very easy to continue to work. You know, It never ends, whether you're at yeah. home or wherever you're at. So... You know, just setting aside time when we are together, being one hundred percent off my phone, and just being focused and present in that time—that's what's most important.
0: Not even TikTok, Taylor. He can't even scroll TikTok, dude. Fuck no, it's
1: Instagram. Never, <laughs> never been on the TikTok.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> have TikTok on my phone either. But cool, dude. Yeah, um, that's actually a big problem that I had when it came to dating. Was um, girls would say things like you're always working or you're always at work. You're emotionally unavailable because of this or whatever. I'm like, dude, I fucking told you yep. what was good. You know, like I don't need this shit. Yep. <laughs> I don't need to like hear you like badger me or bother me for doing it. And then when actually that was one of the reasons that I got out of my long-term relationship. That was one of a few reasons. Um, and then when I met Heather, like everything completely changed. Same exact mm-hmm. story. She'd like come help me out at the gym when we were first opening it on sunday she would help me clean she'd do just yep. all the good stuff you know so
1: and it's important to have that support because it is mentally you know grueling at times you know yes it, it doesn't stop so you know where most employees are able to just take off on the weekends or whatnot that's like your time and it it just never ends you still have the problems coming to you you yeah. always got to put it out at the end of the day it's It's your name on the line and your money on the line. So
0: hundred percent to
1: have that person who understands that and fully backs you with it.
0: And if they want you to support them, the only way that you can do it is if you're kind of like in the work all the time, right? Exactly. Yeah. Hold on one second. One more time. Oh fucker. So for anybody that's listening, yeah, I just restarted the camera again. Um, okay, cool dude. So, Let's get into the, the traditionalist stuff, because I think that this is uh, <laughs> a topic that I want to really get into this stuff on the podcast, because I think that,
1: let's, do, let's start here. What do you think about Andrew Tate? I love Andrew Tate. Okay. I think he's one of the best things uh, to happen to the young male generation that's coming up right now. Why? Because he preaches all the things that they're taking out of society right now. Uh, so, Give me a couple examples. Faith is a big thing. Uh, he was Christian and now I believe he's Muslim. Yep. Uh, so I don't care what religion you are, but I think religion is one of the things that's been removed from society. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, you can see the consequences of that. Violence is higher than it's ever been. There's so much hate in the world nowadays. And what does religion do? Whether you're Christian, Muslim, whatever it is, uh, it brings people together. Yeah. Uh, so I think that having that strong foundation backed by a faith, whatever faith you choose to follow is super important and it teaches you morals and gives you kind of core values to live by. Yeah. And I think all of the core values align with religions. You know, it's just the different intricate beliefs that come out of it. Like who the prophets are and who the actual God is. Yeah, for
0: sure. I would push back a little bit on that just by saying that I think it's a double-edged sword with religion. I don't like religion. Mm -hmm. I like Faith, yeah. Right. So religion to me is kind of dangerous because there are so many, uh, specific core values to mm-hmm. each religion that it can cause violence, Definitely. you know, um, the if other thing, look,
1: if you look back at it, I mean, there were the crusades back in. Oh the,
0: dude. Yeah. The, and that's the other thing is like, I think that violence now is probably more tame than it was in like those days. Yeah. Right. Or maybe it's not, maybe it was just like more grueling back then, like they're cutting people's heads it's off and normalized, shit. Right. Warm, yeah. Normalized, yeah. right. Um wh- one of the things that I really like about Andrew Tate is that um he doesn't promote violence but he wants to make training for dudes normal, yeah. right? And I think a big problem, and I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. I've been in a few. Um I think that one of the big problems in life is that people have never been punched in the face.
1: I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. And I see to talk shit when you've never been punched in the face.
0: It's so easy, dude. It's so easy. Cause, and I was just talking to, um, Heather about this last night. Sorry about that. I was talking to Heather about it last night was that somebody had a little bit of attitude with me the other day. And I was like, I just, you know, I, I trained martial arts like my entire life. And then when I like was an adult, I trained Muay Thai for like six, seven years and one of the things that you're always taught if you have a good coach is never talk shit Mm -hmm. to people you don't know anything about because you're going to get your ass kicked, you know? And so I was just like, I don't understand why this guy gave me a fucking attitude. It's so weird to me because I would never ever treat somebody that I barely knew anything about like that.
1: Disrespectful.
0: Yeah ever because like he might have a gun on him yeah, and if yeah you never know what's going to happen but that's one of the things i genuinely like about him is that he like lets people know like hey yeah. the possibility of violence you know is real
1: yeah and i think you know he just promotes betterment of oneself mm-hmm. so uh, i think like anything nowadays there's the one topic with andrew tate that i think gets the most uh attention and that's probably what most people look at as womanizing yeah Uh, but if you really listen to his core message, I think he uses that really as just the big way to advertise himself for sure. And then when you push that aside, uh, you see all the other things like the self betterment, you know, getting into business and, you know, making money and just building the best life for yourself. You know, I think that's super important and something that people aren't taught nowadays.
0: Do you think that everybody has that in them though, to be a businessman and to be a multimillionaire
1: I, I don't think everyone has it in them, but I think everyone has a certain amount of it in them. Yeah. And I don't think everyone needs to be a business owner. I actually would advise against people being business owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think more people will do better, make more money, be 10 times more successful if they find a business that they align with the mission, vision, and values of and then work as entrepreneurs within that business. I think entrepreneurship mm. has been so over-glamorized especially with social media nowadays. And a lot of people don't even understand what entrepreneurship really is.
0: What does entrepreneurship do?
1: So entrepreneurship, if you look at the definition, it's could be someone who takes on more risk to start a business than someone else, It's yep. the person who puts everything on them. They're the one carrying all of the risk. So a lot of people nowadays, you know, I love multi-level marketing but so many people that are in multi-level marketing companies think of themselves as entrepreneurs, but they're <sighs> not because they didn't take the risk and all of that financial risk of the overhead of employing all these people and having the payroll and all these things that the top dog at that company who started that multi-level marketing company has to carry. Yes. So if you're not carrying any of that risk, you're not technically an entrepreneur, thank you, you be for an entrepreneur, but it's different at the end of the day. If the bills, you know, if the money's not coming in, it's on you to pay the bills Mm -hmm. here. Otherwise, you're going to be in default, and that goes on to your name. Yep. Where, you know, some people can handle that, some people can't handle that. There might be a trainer that you have that works for you who Mm -hmm. can't take on that risk, but could just kill it on the training side because they don't have to worry about that risk. And they could even be a better trainer than you. Yeah. But they just can't juggle all of the other things. Right. So I I think that, you know, it's not for everyone. And, you know, some people just can't carry the weight and that's why they get stuck and they just start new thing after new thing after new thing and yep. never really go anywhere with it. Where if they'd get over the fact that I want to be an entrepreneur and just be a great entrepreneur, and work it like it's their own business and go with it with that attitude, they'll level up super high in the company and do way better for themselves.
0: So one, I agree with you and thank you so much for yeah. saying that about the MLM people <laughs> because That is something that has driven me nuts for years is people who are in MLM saying that they're a business owner. And I'm like, You're not a business owner.
1: You're a salesperson.
0: Yeah, you're a salesperson. And that's to be honest with you, I agree with you too. That's probably a better gig than owning a business ever will be Mm -hmm. for the next reason that I'm about or for the number two that I'm about to give. Number two, my uncle said the same thing to me that you just said for years about not getting into business like Mm -hmm. don't be do not like he's like you're obsessed with this idea of working for yourself and like and wanting to be an owner mind you he's a multi -multi multi-millionaire and he's like but it's not as sweet as you think it is and so finally when I turned 28 and I decided to do this we have a two-hour phone call and by the end of the phone call he goes I know that you're made for this. Yep. Like, he's like, I know that I tried to deter you from being an entrepreneur for a long time. But now after this, like after these, all these years, I know that you're supposed to do this. I know you're meant for this. You're going to do great things, whatever. Um, but for that same reason though, is that I think that entrepreneurship is so over glamorized, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody wants to be their own boss and, and, You don't want to be your own fucking boss when you have to scrub the toilets. No. Dude, nobody wants to be their own boss when they have to scrub the toilets. And it's
1: on you at the end of the day to scrub those toilets.
0: Exactly, because the person that I have right now cleaning during this episode, right, he's not going to scrub the toilets. No. I don't even expect him to, to be frank, but he's not going to do it. I got to do it. Or my girlfriend or my mom will do it. You know what I mean? But like, no, like... They, when, when, when you have no idea how you're going to pay rent next month, you don't want to be an entrepreneur.
1: No, that shit fucking sucks. Yeah. And everything's so over glamorized and there's so much fake stuff on social media nowadays. It's Mm -hmm. so easy to fake it. You see a Lamborghini in the streets and everyone goes and takes a picture with it nowadays. I mean, it's like people that wear the fake watches versus wearing real watches. Yeah. If, If you can't afford that real Rolex, there's no point in putting a fake Rolex on. No. Because all you're doing is deterring yourself from you know, putting in that work and actually having the real excitement when you can't afford that. Yep. But people are just so worried about fronting nowadays on everything. And people just get lost in this of, you know, I got to fake it till I make it. And why? I I don't know why everything's been so glamorized. And it's probably because of social media. Everything's posted online now. But at the same time, everyone knows at the end of the day who's faking it and who's really doing it.
0: Dude, everybody everybody knows who's got money. Yep. Everybody knows who's really got the work ethic. You know, it's crazy to me because I know tons of people when they get a, like their, when they get a boost in their salary, they go buy a new car yep. or like when, you know, they, they became, when they started a business, it's not even cash flowing or anything. They got a new car, yep. you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, do you want to be rich or just look like you're rich?
1: I'd rather be rich.
0: Right. Like for, cause for me, when I had the most money in my bank account, I was still wearing free clothes. Mm hmm. Like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Yep. I just don't care. You you will catch me with an Audemars on at some point, right? Like, when I can afford a $500,000 watch or something, you will catch me with a nice watch, for sure.
1: But why are you going to waste the money on the fake one in the first place? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, what, did I say fake watch?
1: No. You oh, right. no, I said, okay,
0: okay, my bad. Yeah, but um, no, you will catch me with a nice watch. It'll probably just be a Rolex, like the one that you got on right now. Is that a Rolly?
1: Not a Rolly. That's not a Rollie? Nope, I thought I saw a green that. face. Nope just a t-shot right oh here you will see 500 hundred dollar watch oh there
0: you go it's nice something a little bit nicer. yeah 500 bucks is good yeah. but you will see the rolex on my wrist at some point but mostly i'll like no matter what no matter how much money i get dude I just don't care about showing people things like I've never cared about that. I've never cared to prove how much money I have in my bank account. I've never proved to like, or cared about driving a really nice car. I drove a Mazda three when I could have afforded an Audi. You know, I didn't give a fuck. I never have.
1: Well, you hear about the most successful people and they're the people who can afford all this stuff yet are still driving the Honda civic or a quarter round or whatever, because you know, the money's better in the bank or in investments that are going to provide for the rest of you than looking like you're rich and not having anything in the bank.
0: Right. Fucking Steve Jobs, dude. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I mean, you see all these super elite, you know, super rich people, and they're the ones that are living the most normal lifestyles. I mean, look at Warren Buffett. Yeah. He's still driving the same Cadillac around. He doesn't live in some crazy palace. Right. He lives in, you know, an upper class Neighborhood still and everything and just keeps on reinvesting, reinvesting, building that generational wealth.
0: Eating fucking McDonald's too, yeah. right? He's the McDonald's, McDonald's and Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I agree with him with Dairy Queen, by the way. They have the best soft serve for sure. Yeah, dude. So with that being said, this is where we're going to add the pod, okay? I'm going to ask you three questions. Right. I ask everybody this. What is your biggest goal for this upcoming year?
1: Uh, my biggest goal for this upcoming year is to hire on ten more people, uh, and by doing that, we're going to be able to open up three more locations for Office Furniture Warehouse. So, wow, good for giving you! Having another ten people, a, a vessel for them to earn for their families and you know have a good living
0: this isn't this actually is not one of the three questions is that like your ultimate goal like you is that your why because you want to help people provide for their families what's your why
1: i want to give people a uh a non-traditional path kind of like i took i want to be able to give them a vessel that they can always continue to get bigger and better for themselves and not ever have a cap on it because if we all keep getting bigger and better it's just going to help more and more people
0: that's awesome cool what are you willing to sacrifice for that goal
1: uh, so I, I've sacrificed a lot already to get to where I'm at right now. Uh, you know, took over the company, this really hundred percent took over the company this past year for my father, uh, after putting years and years in paying my dues and, uh, say the question one more time
0: what are you willing to sacrifice for the goal
1: uh so i'm willing to sacrifice everything other than my my family right now you know it's my big goal this year is and another big goal is to really just enjoy this first year with my to-be wife sitting across from me uh but you know i'm willing to sacrifice all the fun and all the other stuff that most people are worried about living right now you know so many people in their 20s are out traveling the world and spending and partying and all that mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue to sacrifice that stuff so that we can build and, you know, enjoy life much earlier on than having to wait till we're late 50s, 60s to start enjoying life. So, yeah, willing to grind it out for my next 10 years like I did my prior 10 years and keep on going.
0: Cool, man. Well, you already answered the third question. That was what are you not willing to sacrifice?
1: Yep. Not willing to sacrifice uh, my relationships with my family. That's great, dude. Well, luckily, we're in family biz and that helps things as well.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll carry on for another two minutes. How much do you think that that plays into your success? And
1: Well, going back to your question about Andrew Tate earlier and what I think of him.
0: I thought about that it's when it's you one said of your, your brother. The
1: biggest things I admire is how close he is with his family and mm-hmm. his brother. Uh, you see that nowadays so many families are broken up and they are not close or tight-knit anymore where in the old days everything was family business going into europe still everything's family business over there yep and i don't think that there's any better way to live life than being super close and tight-knit with your family you know it's something i actually really really value about the indian culture is Mm -hmm. you see a lot of these families they all live together in a compound you know yeah They pool their money and stuff like that. And it's very old school, but it works because they stay tight knit and it's easier to raise a family, you know, when you start having children and things, Mm -hmm. if you have, you know, the grandma there or the aunt and uncle there who can help you and everyone's just staying together because you can trust no one like family.
0: Yeah. Takes a village.
1: Does take a village.
0: Cool, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you for being on the show. You're going to be guest number
1: 11. I'm excited. It's a good dude. double ones.
0: Yeah, dude. Oh, that's a lucky pot. That's a lucky number. My birthday is May 11th. <laughs>
1: it's all coming together. What did you
0: know? It is. Um, Alex Hermosi says that if you do 20 episodes of a podcast, you're in the 1% of podcasters. So we're on our way to being in the 1%. So anyways, thanks a lot, dude. I really appreciate you being me. on. Good luck with my cousin. Appreciate it. I good luck, dude. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, thanks so much for listening, guys. Hit that Spotify subscribe button. Subscribe on YouTube. Like the video. Show Elijah some love. We'll put his Instagram stuff in the bio and uh, see you in the next episode. Thanks. Bye.